0: Thank you so much, Praise Team and Praise Band and uh, Matthew, for leading today. And uh, I I am so, so delighted that you've chosen to worship with us today. God's got a good word for you today. Do y'all believe that? Tell your neighbor, God's got a good word for you today. He does. He's got a good word for you, it's a true word for you. I invite you to open your Bible. I, I trust that you are involved in the Bible reading plan for the new year. And I'm encouraging you to jump right in. There are uh, out in the foyer, you can pick up your copy of uh, the Bible reading plan that we're asking everybody to go through this year. And now it's, it's, it's work. It's work to read every day and get involved in reading this Word of God. But let me tell you what, we waste a whole lot of time looking at our cell phone or on the screen or talking about this and that and the other. That doesn't bring life to you, but the Word of God brings life. And as we hear it, read it, and align our lives to it, it's life-changing for us. And so today, we've taken our text from the first book in the Bible. And so if you have your copy of God's Word today, I encourage you to follow along and look with me to Genesis. We're in chapter number 1. And chapter number two today, and today's message is very fundamental, and it's very foundational, and I think it's very timely and very important. I'm going to ask you to listen closely to what I have to say today, I want you to listen closely to what God's Spirit says to our hearts today, amen? Why don't we just pray and ask God for help in that matter? Father in heaven, as we come to your word today, I pray that, Father, that we might trust your word as the authority in our life. And Father, the truths from your word, Father, may we uh, uh, receive them, and Father, may we order our lives in alignment with your word. Father, today, expose the lies that are told in the world and in our culture, and the lies that are even talked about in in. Uh, and accepted by so many and father may we see the truth and father may we be liberated by that truth father today may we see our need for Jesus Christ and father may we run to him so that you might do the change in us that we so need it's in Christ's name that we pray amen Genesis chapter number one It is about creation and God is creating and in all of chapter number one we see what he's creating each day of the creation story And then in chapter number one beginning with verse 26 Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the creatures that crawl on the earth So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, notice the plural, male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed, this will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, then morning, the sixth day. In chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. The man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it, and to watch over it. And the Lord commanded the man, You're free to eat of any tree of the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on that day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Verse 18 Then the Lord God said, It's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. And the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to come over the man And he slept And God took one of his ribs And closed the flesh at that place Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man Into a woman And brought her to the man The man said This one at last Is bone of my bone And flesh of my flesh, this one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? Amen. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. Father, we're listening now. We're listening. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this passage of scripture today, we live in a world, we don't, don't we? We live in a world that's confused and confusing. We live in a world where basic assumptions are challenged, authority is despised, and truth is called my truth, not objective truth. Years ago, in Western culture, we began to embrace the idea that we're not here by design and purpose, but we're accidents of chance. And this has changed everything. And so we've cast off restraint, And we're wandering in chaos in our own moral decisions. But we need to get back to the Word of God and look at what the Word of God has to say about us and why we were created and who we are. And the first thing I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture, and and today I, I, I ask you to listen closely. The first thing I want you to understand, and you might, you might, I just want to say this: what I might be saying today may sound very elementary to you, but I think it's important for us to revisit these truths and agree with them together. Amen. Now, number one, man is created by God. Amen. He is created by God. Now, notice with me in chapter number one, it is God is in the business of creating, and He is creating all of the earth. And he says in verse 26, let us make man in our image. And so God, in the pluralness of God himself, he is making man, mankind in his own image. I've titled this sermon on being a human being. What does it mean to be a human being? Or what does it mean to be a man? And what does it mean to be a woman? What is a man? What is a woman? And why do we exist? First of all we are created by God himself for his plan and his purposes One little boy was maddering heck at his parents and stomped his feet and said I didn't choose to be born No you didn't choose to be born God chose for you to be born And God's got a plan for your life A plan and purpose for your life are you all still with me today? Can you just say amen? Let me know you're not sleeping. All right. Amen. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for your life. You are created pers- purposefully and intentionally by God. Notice in verse number 27 of chapter 1, God created man. The word is bara. It is the Hebrew word for created. First, the word used in the beginning, God created. And so it says in verse 27, God created man in his own image. Then verse 27, it says he created him in the image of God. And then he says he created them, male and female. Three times the word created is used in verse number 27. It's helping us understand that you're not here by an accident. You're here by intentionality. You're here by purpose and design. And God's got a plan for your life. And your life is valuable. Amen. Your life has meaning and purpose. You're not here by some cosmic accident. If you look with me in your Bible, to Psalm 139. And uh, you may want to follow along using your copy of God's Word, Psalm 139. And listen to the verse number 13, Psalm 139, beautiful. Verse number 13, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know it very well. My bones were hidden from you when I was made in secret, were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned. Before a single one of them began, God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Isn't that beautiful? God created you, planned you, purposed you, has a plan for your life. You weren't just an accident. God formed you in the womb. God knew you before you were even born. And God's got a plan for your life. Every life is valuable. It's created by Almighty God. It's not only created by God, it's created for God. He has a plan and purpose for your life. You don't live for yourself. You don't live for your own pleasure. You don't live to find yourself. You don't live for your will, but you live for his will. You've been created and brought into this world for God. And our identity is found in our relationship with the living God. And this is what sin does. Sin destroys us. Sin separates us from God. Sin twists our understanding. It distorts our perception. It lies to us about what's true or not true. Sin ultimately brings destruction into your life and it destroys you. And that's why God hates sin. And that's why God sent his Son, that he might destroy the works of the devil and that he might set us free to be his people. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, you were created in the image of God. In his likeness, unlike anything else in all of God's creation, you were made in the image of God. That means you have abilities and attributes that the rest of God's creation doesn't have. It doesn't, it doesn't know. It, 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 God made man a little lower than the angels. He's made us in his own image, and his own likeness. Now scholars have debated that for years. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that God looks like us physically. No, because God is spirit. But God, we are made in his image, meaning that we have spiritual life. We have ethical and moral sensitivities that the rest of animal life doesn't have. We have a conscience that the rest of the animal and ability to reason that the rest of the animal kingdom does not have and a capacity to represent God in this world. You are made in the image of God. You reflect God in this world. You are his representative on this earth. God has made you and created you. Millard Erickson, in his uh, Systematic, he talks about the image of God And he says uh, these truths about the image of God. Number one, that the image of God is universal in the human race. And that's why we are to respect one another no matter what. And we are to respect other people. People that don't agree with us. People that don't look like us. People that don't believe like us. We respect them. We are not to shed another man's blood because they were created in the image of God. We don't murder because they were made in the image of God. In the book of James, chapter number 3, we are not to curse another man because he was made in the image of God. Every life has dignity and value. The image of God is not lost because of sin and the fall. That has not been, it is marred, but it is still present. We are made in God's image, and so even non-Christians are in the image of God. All of life, every life is valuable. That's why we stand for the rights from, the, from conception to the grave, that every life is a gift from God and valuable to him. And you and I have no right to murder a baby in the womb, Or out of the womb. Every life. Is from God. And every life is valuable. And we've been made in his image. We should be very careful. When we talk about taking a life. That life came from God. When you take a life. And you shed blood. It brings judgment and consequences in your own life. The image of God is not in some degree, some persons have a greater image than others. That's been taught before. People with higher intelligence had a greater image of God. That's not what that means. The image of God is not correlated to some, any variable like your work or the value of your work. It makes you more in the image of God. But it's substantive. It's, it has to do with the very nature of a person. Every person, even disabled persons, are mis- made in the image of God. And they should be dealt with with dignity and respect by all men. Amen. Folks, be very careful with your words don't murder people with your words don't don't speak with cursing kind of words against a fellow man that you may dim- disagree with because they were made in the image of god and they're worthy of respect amen it refers to The very thing that God has given us so that we might carry out what he's called us to do. God has given mankind personality and relationships the ability to think and to reason and to reflect and to to exercise a freedom of will. And this is what God has given us. We've been created so that we know, can know and that we can love and we can obey God and we can live in harmony and we can exercise dominion and we can create and we can fulfill our purpose and we can worship Almighty God. He's made us in his image. And the most perfect example of a man representing the image of God in this world is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. God wants to bring us into conformity with that image of God. Amen? He was perfect fellowship with God. He obeyed God completely, he loved other people perfectly. And that was God Almighty. Second point mankind is created in two genders. And in verse number 27. It says, God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. And he created them. Notice the shift from the singular to the plural. He created them, male and female. One man, and, and, and it seems antiquated now, but we talked about mankind or man And man means both man and woman. And so, just to clarify, he made them male and female. Two genders. Now, we live in a world today that's questioning this. They're questioning the very existential, the very meaning of what it means to be a human being. Folks... There's not multiple genders, there's two. It's not on a scale, a sliding scale. There's two genders, male and female. And man is made up of these two genders, mankind. And both man and woman are equally in the image of God. And so the confusion exists. exist in this fallen world and yes there is confusion some people suffer from real confusion and they have uh, some dysphoria and it's an experience a turmoil within themselves that's troubling and painful and, and, and and we need to help them and pray for them and encourage them and listen to them and help point them to truth and find their purpose and who they are in Christ but not gender is not something you choose it's something God created did you hear me gender is not something you choose it's something God created If you listen to this world they will feed you a lie but it's a lie God made you and you're special to him huh. not one not one gender is above another gender what not one gender is more important than another gender both men and women are commissioned by God to serve him in his creation and to obey his commandments. Look with me to verse number 26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and they, plural, they, the man and the woman, will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the creatures that crawl on the earth, both of them ruling, both of them leading, both of them obeying, both the man and the woman. Not one more important than the other. Both commissioned to obey the law of God. They're both commissioned to multiply and fill the earth. Notice what it says in verse 28. God blessed them. God said, be fruitful, multiply. To both the man and the woman. Fill the earth. Subdue it. They're to cultivate the land. Keep the land. To name creation. And to rule over all of God's creation. God made mankind different than any other part of his creation both the man and the woman amen both man and woman are blessed by God verse 28 look with me and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth subdue it rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth God said look I've given you every seed-bearing plant of the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seeds. This will be fruit food for you. He says, I've given all of creation for you and I've gifted you with a wonderful task for everything I've given to you. And God saw all that he made and it was indeed very good. He says to the women, and I, I, want, to, I, want, I want you to listen to me. Women... Girls, all of you, listen closely to me. You're made by Almighty God, you're designed by Him. You are designed in his image and God has gifted. You've been gifted by almighty God, gifted and created by God and created to serve God and created to reflect the image of God in this world. And you're created to declare declare the glory of God. And you're created to teach the word of God and to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples and to bear children and to love your children and to love your family and to love your work and to nurture and to glorify God and be a mother in this world. That's what God has allowed you to do. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? And guys, God's got a plan for you. You too, created by God. You too, we're gifted by Almighty God. You too, commissioned by God to love the Lord with all your heart, to lead your family, to love your families, to work with your hands and your mind, to provide for your family, to protect for your family, to teach the Word of God to your children and to others, to preach and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, to rear your children, Glorify God with your life. Men, we cannot abdicate our role in home and family and society. And we need men to rise up and be men of God. And we need women to rise up and be women of God. Reflecting the glory of God and the image of God in this world. I told you it's basic, but boy, we need to hear it, don't we? Now, thirdly, mankind was created for community and for intimacy. You know what? If you look with me to chapter number two, when God looks over all of his creation, he just kept saying again and again, and it was good. It was good. It was good. But we find in chapter two, verse 18, God says one thing's not good. It says, then the Lord, well, it says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper that corresponds to him. So this is another part of the creation story. It's now giving us some more detail about the order of it. And verse number 18, and so then in verse number 20, the Lord caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. Hmm. And God took one of the ribs from the man, and he closed the flesh at that place. And the Lord God made the rib of the man, they taken from the man into a woman, And brought her. To the man. Oh wouldn't you have liked to have seen. That scene. Wow. Now. When God does his work. He puts man asleep. Because God's going to do a creative thing. And man doesn't see it. But God does it. He takes the rib. From the man. And he creates the woman. Now he'd created the man out of the dust of the earth and he creates the woman from the rib of the man the thing that God said was not that was not good was isolation and loneliness of the man, he said that's not good for mankind, that's not good for him and by not good mean it's not complete, man cannot do all that God had planned for him to do by himself and God it's not like God, this was a, a second thought with God. But God allows man to have some ability to name things and rule and, and, and to do work. But as he's examining all of the rest of created order, he realizes, man does, there's not one that really corresponds to me. And God says it's not good for him to be alone. You see, God has created man for community that we won't be isolated, that we're not on an island, that we're not alone. But there's nothing else in all of creation that corresponds to him. And so when you look at all the rest of the animal life, you go, man, it's great, it's awesome, but nothing just really corresponds to me. Now, I don't know if you like animals, I love animals. Well, most animals. And honestly, I'll just just to be honest, I don't want to insult anybody, but I'm more of a dog guy than a cat guy. I mean, I tolerate cats, but I really like a dog. (laughs) I knew there'd be at least one amen. I know the cat people are going to talk to me after church. But anyway, and you know, my parents love their little dog. They got a little lap dog, and that little dog, they treat that dog way better than they ever treated any of their children. I'm just saying. And, I mean, they go out to eat, and they get an extra steak and bring it home and feed the dog. I know. They, they have issues. We had some dogs when the kids were younger, and one of them was, I'm pretty sure, demon-possessed, but uh, they were, uh, uh, we enjoyed those dogs. Uh, Some animals weren't so cuddly that are in our house. Brad had a lizard one time named Max. Max wasn't very cuddly, really. Brad did have a dog, and when he lived at our house for a while, he still has this dog. And she's a great big old American bulldog. And she's the most cuddly dog in all the world. She just climbed right up in your lap, big old 80-pound dog in your (laughs) lap, licking on you and loving on you. But that's not the same as a wife, I can tell you that. In all of creation, there wasn't anything that corresponded to Adam until God did his work and brought Eve. You weren't... There. In the book of Ecclesiastes, do you have your Bible? The book of Ecclesiastes... Chapter number 4, verse 9. Listen to God's word. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. If either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him A cord of three strands is not easily broken You're made for community, you're made for others You're made not to be alone Secondly, you're designed for community And notice he designs this helper One who corresponds to him And there's this longing for another on the part of Adam. And God brings this one that he has created to him. God says that she will be a helper. And the word they used here is ezer. And uh, the word ezer means help. Uh, We find it all throughout Hebrew scripture. And the word Ezra comes from this word, ezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, right? It's the help of God. It's with his help, Ezer. It is used again and again to, it's not some servile role. It's often used to to describe what God is to Israel. He is Israel's help. And Adam needed a help. She's, no some, she's not some weak sister that he has to carry along She's not second class in created order But she's God's gift and a helper in Adam He calls this deep sleep to come He takes from the rib Puritan uh, commentator Matthew Henry said She was not made out of his head to top him, not made out of his feet to trample on him, but out of his side to be equal to him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. Wow. We need each other. Folks, I want you to listen to this. This does speak about husband and wife, But it also speaks to us in community. We weren't made to be an island. We were made to be a part of a community where we love each other, care for each other, support one another, encourage one another, correct one another, that we work together in God's work. Amen? You were created for that, you were designed for intimacy. Now, notice you can't help but see the intimacy here that is found. And notice in verse number 23, when the man wakes up and he sees her. And then notice in verse 22, the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. Just like, like a wedding, isn't it? And he brings her to the man. You see the intimacy here. And notice how the man responds when he sees the woman. By the way, this is the very first sentence we find in the Bible spoken by a man. And he breaks out in a full sentence. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she's one with me. She's made just like me. But different. (laughs) Wow! Wow! I mean, that's not in the Hebrew, but wow. She will be called what? Woman. The word in Hebrew is isha. Because she came from ish, man. Well, we see it in the English as well. You see that man is found in the word for woman and in the Hebrew as well, Isha, because she came from ish. Leon Kass, who is a Jewish scholar, writes concerning this commentary on this section in Genesis. And Kass is from the University of Chicago, he wrote years ago, he said, man's counterpart stirs his soul to a new level of self-awareness as she stands before him and against him he also sees himself for the first time as a result he now names himself no longer Adam earthling generic human being from the ground but he now names himself ish individual Male, man, being. Man, now listen close, listen to this. Man as male in relationship to female. The woman's name is spoken first, Isha. And that, like her origin, it's derivative. Yet her place in his speech is first. It's self-disclosing and self-naming. He names the woman before himself. It's poetry. And then it says, he now can know himself and name himself because he sees her in recognition of his own maleness. When God brings the perfect woman to the man, the man for the first time realizes who he is and can name himself. Wow. Isn't God good? Isn't his design perfect? Amen. Cass goes on to say, this deep and far-reaching insight about complementarity and selfhood is beautifully conveyed in the text in man's speech, Isha is spoken first. Whereas animals elicited names, the appearance of the woman elicits poetry. Amen. You're designed by God for joyful, fulfilling fellowship and life and intimacy. Notice in verse number 25, 24 This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds cleaves to his wife and they become one flesh this is marriage by the way marriage is between a man and a woman only and the man and the woman the wife his wife were naked and they felt no shame The reason they felt no shame and they were naked is it was pure joy, pure fulfillment, pure wondrous love and beauty. This passage has no restrictions of one over another, Alan Ross wrote, because they form a spiritual intellectual unity They're living in their integrity, absolutely without sin. Prior to the fall, there's no need of hierarchy or submission. Because there's no sin that is brought into the picture. They've not experienced any evil. But the problem comes in Genesis chapter 3. Because in Genesis chapter 3, we see the willful sin of the woman and the man against God in the breaking of his law. And that brings a fall, the fall into this world that we're all feeling the effects of. And the sin that comes into the world. And, and, and the God makes a promise to the woman. He says concerning this serpent that, tricked you and you've rebelled against me he will bruise your heel but you will crush his head and from your seed not the man but from the woman I will raise up a conqueror and that conqueror is King Jesus amen Jesus came to restore. You see, it? sin has messed this whole thing up in humanity. Sin has, brought, sin has brought reproach on all of us. Sin has brought confusion to all of us. Sin is undermining our own worth and dignity. Sin undermines all of our relationships and sin is destructive. And that's why God is working for our redemption. The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none of us righteous. No, not even one. Do you all agree with that? The Bible says that we've all sinned. All of us. The Bible says if we say we have not sinned, we lie. And we, don't, we, we deceive ourselves. and We're not truthful. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. All of us. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to bear our sin and die on the cross for all of our sins. He came to help those who are helpless to restore themselves. And he's on a mission to restore us back to a right relationship with God. He died for all of our sins. The Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. He is doing a work of grace in us, restoring us, changing us, transforming us. Anybody here glad? God's changing you. God's not done with you. Look with me to the book of Galatians. Do you have your Bible? Galatians chapter number 3. I'm telling you, there's good news today. God... Listen, God had this plan. He created man, but the fall and sin has brought destruction and devastation to all of us. This is what sin brought. Sin brought brokenness into the relationship between the man and the woman. Sin brought shame where there was no shame. Sin brought distrust between the man and the woman. Sin brought selfishness and insecurity and defensiveness. Sin brought deception and lying and hiding And ultimately aggression and distrust and envy. And in the next generation, murder. That's what sin does. Sin also brings destruction in us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins will surely die. We bear the shame of our sin. That's why we are not naked and unafraid. We are afraid because of our sin. But Jesus came and he bore our sin on the cross and he's restoring us. Now the book of Galatians, chapter number 3, verse number 22. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise might be given on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law and imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian under Christ, until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For through faith, you all are sons of God in Christ Jesus. Both men and women are now sons of God in Christ Jesus wow in chapter number 4 verse 4 notice what it says when the time came to completion God sent his son born of what born of whom A woman born how under the law in order to do what redeem those under the law so that we might receive what adoption as what Sons. Now I know it seems weird, but men and women are both sons in Christ Jesus. We have the heirship. We are His sons. Amen. Born on, he, he said, uh, we might receive adoptions as sons, and because you're sons, God sent the spirit of His Son into our hearts. And what does that spirit do? Cries out, Abba, what? Daddy, Father, you're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, God made you an heir. Woo! I'm an heir with God. He has blessed me incredibly. First 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15, and verse number 45. Look with me to God's Word. <clears throat> and so it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth. That's Adam. A man of dust. His name means earth. We could call him dusty. The second man is from heaven. His name's Jesus. Like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. Like the man of heaven, are those of heaven. Now listen, watch this. This will light you up. Watch this. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, uh, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. (laughs) He's making you. look like Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Wow. God's restoring man in his image. Woo, that's beautiful. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Amen. You know what? In 1 John... You want a good word to leave on today? Let me give you a good one. 1 John, chapter number 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has given to us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. And the reason the world does not know us is it, does not, does not know, it does, didn't know him. Dear friends... We are God's children now. And what we will be has not been revealed. But we know that when he appears, we, now watch, will be like him. Because we'll see him as he is. I'm telling you, my friends, God is restoring that image In us through Jesus Christ and someday when Jesus comes again that image will be completely restored in us as he is so are we in this world hallelujah amen father in heaven thank you for this great truth that's found in your word today Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. And I pray that today they might turn. Turn to him. Turn in repentance. Turn in faith and trust. Father, we know there's only one way to be made right with you. And that's through the work of Jesus Christ, your Son. Lord, we can't save ourselves. God, you, we trust, trust you. And we ask you. To do a work of grace in our heart. Make us to be more like your son. Save us from all of our sins. Forgive us. Cleanse us. And make us right with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.